Hey everybody and welcome back to the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. I'm Dale. And today we are going to be talking about, now that we've got uh, the Zendikar Rising cards in hand, uh, what has done the most work, what has been underperforming. Um, personally, I know I haven't got, I mean, it's a hundred card deck. I haven't really got to smash through some of the picks, pickups that I have. But uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, I haven't got to play too much of the stuff that I picked up so far, but I did get to uh, play some Confounding Conundrum, and it did pretty good work. I mean, I was playing against a Gishath deck, and obviously they're trying to ramp hard early game so they can get out their big dinos, and it pretty much put the kibosh on that. They, they didn't even realize that the card was a card yet because they hadn't really checked out the new set. And they go to drop an explosive vegetation and put their lands into play. And I'm like, uh, yeah, those go back to your hand. And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, check out this new card. Yeah, that's so. pretty dirty. The, um, I mean, I've been on a Perforos tear for, I mean, a while. I love yeah. Perforos. It's so good. Uh, I did manage to put through a Leyline Tyrant that did really uh, do some work. The, the storing the red mana was nice. Uh, being able to have red mana at any time to flash stuff in with his ability was pretty fun. And then Valakut Exploration, hilarious. Uh, in my Perforos deck, because you know, my, my CMC is kind of high. It's a, it's a big, goofy sneak attack deck. So you know I have a ton of really high converted mana cost uh, creatures. And I did manage to like dome somebody for fifteen with a Valakut Awakening uh, and a fetch land, so that was funny. It was a uh, uh, no, it was fourteen. It was Helm of the Host. It exiled Helm of the Host and Kozilek, and I was like, "Huh, well, good." But yeah, the uh, the and honestly, from seeing it and seeing some other people, I. Uh, I really I like to follow the ninety nine. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, uh, Patrick Marlette, and um, he did a, a video on Ashaya, on how uh, strong making your creatures lands actually is, and I really am inclined to agree. I think that Ashaya could be a sleeper top tier general, just because of the amount of effects that can untap your lands or untap creatures both or allow you to really abuse the fact that you're that every creature is now a mana dork and the the dodging of the rift is pretty nuts yeah the fact that they have finally printed a card that gets around cyclonic rift without saying you know that without countering cyclonic rift is it's just a, a stick on now you can't riff my board. Yeah. Well, the creatures at least, you know. I think it's super solid, especially with Green's ability to flash in creatures too, so you can really set them up, you know. You can let them get the rift into their hand, let them think they're going to just, you know, have a heyday with it, and then just, boom, flash in that at the last second, and then, aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Cobblepot was actually also... Uh, mentioning on Twitter about the effect of having a Shia on the battlefield and Ancient Green Warden. Um, 
because all your land, all your creatures now also enter as lands. So any creature ETBs now also double if you have both of them out. So not only does your landfall triggers double, but any of your you know reclamation sages, your uh, acidic slimes, anything like that, also now double triggers because it's all lands. And I was like, oh, that's spicy. Yeah, that is a spicy meet the ball. That is spicy. Imagine in uh, like a Golgari build with that, and then you just drop like a Rune Scar Demon that's now tapping for mana and fetching you out two cards. Yeah, that's just, just... <laughs> I think the doubling of the of the ETBs is pretty nuts. Um, yeah, haven't got to see a lot of play of the Mythic uh, modal dual faced cards. Mm. No, I did uh, play the Shatter Skull Smashing a few times in in the pre-release, but it didn't really do much. It was like a last-ditch effort to try to remove a creature that was giving me problems. So it was basically just, you know, it was a more expensive bolt, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, speaking of pre-release, how did did yours go? Uh, As usual, I had absolute duty. Pulls. So I, <laughs> I built a uh, Boros aggro deck, and I went through all the colors first as I'm building it. I'm trying to find, like, what's the most creatures I can get? Turns out Boros, 11 creatures is what I had to work with. Every other color combination was, like, 7 creatures to 10 creatures. Wow. And I'm like, just, man, I got no creatures. So I went with Boros, and, yeah, I, uh, I won one round, lost two rounds, and yeah, it was pretty interesting. I pulled the uh, the angel, the angel of destiny, and it won me a match, which was really weird. Winning a pre-release match while your opponent has forty-three life, it was just really weird. But uh, the card itself, I guess, plays pretty decent in one v one. Not so much sure how it's going to work in a game of commander with pods of three or four, but. 1v1, pretty solid. You gain a ton of life off of it. Um, yeah, but as for pre-release as a whole, yeah, I had duty pulls and didn't do really well. I uh, I ended up snapping up a couple extra pre-release packs and um, I managed to get the Alt-Art Omnath. Nice. And, um, yeah, I, the Alt-Art Omnath is pretty cool. And watching the like the standard um, pre-events, the one the sneak peeks, that card is super strong. Euro and that card is just absolutely nuts. If you if you thought that Euro by itself was bad, how about Euro triggering this Omnath to give you an extra four mana with a Lotus Cobra that also gives you two extra mana off these pull off these extra land drops, and then you're casting an Ultimatum on the same turn that you've already cast a Euro and the Omnath. Yeah, that's nuts. Absolutely insane. I've never seen explosive standard decks like that. Like it was so hard to count somebody out because like. I watched I watched a match where a guy destroyed like the entire board. He languished, killed everything, right? The the Euro, he had a, the dude had a Euro in his grave and stuff like that. But he had a couple Lotus Cobras and a and an Omnath, right? Well, 
He just plays a Lotus Cobra on his next turn and an Omnath. Plays a land. Gets a mana. Taps that. Uh, gets another... Uh, he had, like, another mana open. Taps that. Plays a Euro. Plays a land. Gets the second landfall trigger on the Omnath. Gets four mana. Gets one more from the Lotus Cobra. Plays uh, the white, blue, black ultimatum? No, not Esper. Eerie Interlude? Is that the one? Bring stuff back from your grave? It was... It wasn't Sultai. It was green, blue, red... Green, blue, red? Rug? Genesis? Okay. Is that it? Genesis Ultimatum? Genesis Ultimatum. Yeah, it was the Genesis Ultimatum. I'm like, that man had nothing to start this turn. (laughs) He had absolutely nothing. Like, he had a bunch of lands on his board. That was it. And then he was just like, like, two, three spells cast, and then on top of that cast Genesis Ultimatum. I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah, that's, that's pretty brutal. For sure. So I definitely think that the, that Omnath, the four-color Omnath, can be absolutely ridiculous. You know, obviously the mana fix is needed. Like, you need to have a really tuned land base. And a lot of the fixing things, like Signets or Chromatic Lanterns or Cryptolith Rites and things that allow you to manipulate the mana uh, to cast reliably on turn four or before, you know. But, because I mean, even if you play like a, if you shock in a, a, a Temple Garden, play a Birds of Paradise, now you've got a lot of room to play with as far as what you need after that. But, yeah. Um, one card that I've seen uh, during pre release that did a lot of work, and I'm not too surprised is uh, Felidar Retreat. The four mana enchantment with landfall whenever oh, land yeah, ETBs you create cats or put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain vigilance until the end of turn. So it's basically Zendikar Royal for one less mana and it's only one blip of colored mana so it's even easier to cast and not only are you creating two twos you also have the ability to just buff your entire team. So it's just strictly hands down better. And, like, yeah, it did work, dude. It just kept, like, the first two times, oh, here comes some cats. And then after that, oh, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they got vigilance. Well, I mean, I I think what makes it, it pushes it to that level is the vigilance part. You yeah. swing without repercussions. Yeah. It's like, what are they going to do? Crack you back? You All you did is have vigilance. You're swinging and not having to hold anything back for blocks. You know, if it was, even if it was just, like, Landfall, create a cat token, or landfall, put a plus one, plus one on every creature. Yeah. You know, like, Cathar's Crusade is a, I think, five mana enchantment that puts, that just puts a one-one counter on every creature for every creature entering the battlefield. Right? Yeah. And that's not even something you're guaranteed to do every turn. You know, you're going to probably hit that land drop. Yeah. And get plus one, plus one, and vigilance. It's just pretty good. I definitely want to pick a couple up. I definitely want to throw it in Geared. Definitely oh, want to man. throw it in uh, the other uh, Naya deck I got. Basically any deck that's just pumping out tokens, man. Because it's like, you throw them tokens, a plus one, plus one counter, and Vigilance every turn, and then it just really solidifies. Like, alright, now I can just go straight aggro at everyone and not have to worry about the crackback. 
because that's what always gets you is the crackback. The uh, lithoform engine, I think. I don't know if it if it's too hyped. I think it's a little overhyped. I haven't seen it do anything insane. Uh, then I haven't seen it in any tuned builds. I haven't seen it in a deck that's like I built around Lithoform Engine to kind of manipulate and copy all these things. But until then, I'll keep my I'll keep my judgment on it. You know, light. I do think it's a powerful card. Copying permanent spells is pretty nuts. But I think it's I think it'll be a staple in commander but not in too many like multicolor mana intensive decks. I but I really think like, like I would build Riku of the two reflections with Lithoform Engine as the sleeper lieutenant or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I wanna co- I'm gonna, I just wanna play a Phyrexian Metamorph as a copy of Nyx Bloom Ancient and then copy it with Riku and then copy it with Lithoform Engine. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think the card's good, and it it will definitely be seeing it popping up in decks. I think it's more of a like a mid range EDH deck. It has potential to be in super super combo oriented decks, but I think more than likely we'll probably just see it hanging around in like mid tier decks as just like a straight value card. Oh, know? definitely. I mean, you want to copy your doubling seasons. You want to copy your, you know, all your good balmy spells you know what card i seen that was a sleeper i got to play with was a myriad construct it's a four mana artifact with kicker three if myriad construct was kicked it enters a battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each non-basic land your opponents control and then whenever it becomes the target of a spell you sacrifice it and create a number of one one colorless construct artifact creature tokens equal to its power and its base power is a four four now, That's pretty dope. Dude, I played this in a, in a four-player pod, and I got I was playing it in the, the Verizal kicker deck I built. So I took the two counters off and copied of it and got two copies of it, and each of them were 11-11 buffs because there was 11 non-basics on the battlefield. So I got two 15-15s for uh, seven mana. That's pretty, pretty good. good, dude. It was pretty sweet. Well, I mean, even the... If you think about it in the the vein of other cards that do something similar, Hangerback Walker, you know, requires the the double X investment. Mm-hmm. So to get you know, this card is a is 4 mana for a 4/4, four, four, which is mediocre. Yeah. But when it dies, you get four tokens. To do the same thing with Hangerback Walker, you have to invest 8 mana. Right, yeah, and to get double that or however much, you only need seven mana for this thing, and it's commander. Yeah, you're gonna be (laughs) facing non-basic lands, even if you pay the three mana and only get like four plus one plus one counters. Now that is a a gross, probably underestimation of how many non-basics would be on the battlefield that your opponents would control. But then you get eight tokens when it dies. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I think it's really honestly good. like even even compiling that. I mean, I might even use that as a combo piece with Ashnon's altar. 
Yeah. Ashnod's altar and Nim Deathmantle. There you go. I sack this for t- <laughs> I sack this thing for two mana. Get four one ones. You're off to the races. Sack those to get mana to Nim Deathmantle the the myriad construct back. Yeah, definitely. And then you bust out your Eldrazi's. You know, it, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's it's infinite mana. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of commanders like hoping people scoop when you say, "Okay, now I have infinite mana," but I don't. I'm usually like, "All right, what are you doing with it?" Yeah. Do you have Do you have the X spell in your hand? Do you have the Are you just going to try and value train your You know, do you have Can you even draw cards? You've got three cards in hand. You have infinite mana. Great. <laughs> now what? Yeah, I, I just love tokens, token decks, too. And, like, that Verizal deck I have, it runs uh, Inexonerable Tide, I think. Inexorable the, Tide. Yep. Yeah, where you five just proliferate, three. doubling season, all that. So, like, this guy has the potential to just be absolutely massive. And if it's that big, it's getting targeted by a spell, and then you're creating a massive amount of tokens. So it's, like, it's a double-edged sword if they... Spell it to get rid of it. You just get tons of dudes. Now you just go wide, and there's nothing they can do. And then pair it with the Felidar freaking enchantment. Oh, all those tokens just keep getting plus one, yeah. plus one in Vidge. It's it's pretty nasty. I think I kind of slept on this card. I wasn't really paying. I didn't actually read that second part. The tokens when it dies. Yeah, me. It's like it's like a. It's just a cheaper, like. Oh, one of the most popular combos for Nim Deathmantle Ashnod's Altar is either Battlesphere. Uh, Mere Battlesphere, uh, Beetleback Chief, because Beetleback Chief makes two goblins. So when it enters, you make the the two goblins, you sack the Beetleback Chief and a goblin for four mana to Nim Deathmantle it back, and then so you always net one goblin, which means you always net two mana. Or you just make infinite tokens. Yeah. So like that's the the spice right there. Now, granted, the myriad construct doesn't make them when it enters; it makes them when it dies. Now, because Ashnod's altar is a mana ability, and you can't actually counter it; it is like untargetable. The only thing that you could do is wait for them to sack the myriad construct, and in response, Crozen Grip. The you know the the, altar. the Ashnod's altar, you wouldn't even need to crows and grip it obviously, but I'm saying just crows, a crows and grip's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you need that destroyed and you don't want it countered, you just crows and grip it. But the the fact that you would have to have something else to sack with this to start the loop. Other than that, you, you're I think it nets it's better. I think it's better than Beetleback Chief because then you, you're netting three one ones instead of two. Yeah, I definitely slept on this card. I didn't think much of it at all until I seen it was on the table. And I was like, yo, actually, let me, <laughs> like, let me see this yo, card. Yo, what does this do? Because <laughs> I seen Kicker. So I was like, oh, I got two Kicker decks. I got This is going in it just because it's Kicker. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, wow, this is actually, like, pretty good, dude. I consider running this in, like, pretty much any deck that you got a slot that you're, you know, trying to build token synergy with fits in nicely. Now, did you slot your Yasharn, uh, Implacable Earth? Did you put that in any of your decks and play it yet, or no? 
Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were kind of excited for that card, but I didn't know if you would manage to, to get it going or not. No. Nope. Um, wow, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to mess, I'm gonna have to tool around with that myriad construct because I think I opened one in one of my pre-release packs. Yeah, I mean it's like a low value rare slot. Yeah, so, it's, like they're it's, gonna be around. Uh, one card I did get to play with a little bit, which I definitely think is gonna become a staple for sure, probably in CEDH as well, is uh, Thieving Skydiver. Two two mana. It's a colorless and a blue for a two one with Kicker X, and it has flying. Whenever Skydiver enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with converted mana cost X or less. If that artifact is an equipment, attach it. So, for three mana, you're saying so for one blue, one colorless, and then just one. Even if you just pay Kicker one, you get to steal most of the best. Ramp yeah. artifacts in the, in the game. Yep, your mana crypts, your soul moxes, moxes. soul ring. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's real good, and I I immediately was like, yo, I need to trade into some of these. I don't play too much blue, but I can guarantee you, when I do play blue, I'm gonna be putting that in there because there's nothing more that I love to do than on like either turn one or turn two, just like give me your artifact or blow up your artifact. You know, you are a turn of the <laughs> you are a fan of the turn one vandal blast, right? Like or first smell. person plays soul ring, and you're just like, no, <laughs> you're gonna play the same game as the rest of us, right? Uh, that's pretty sweet. Steal steal a a mana crypt for free. Yeah, well, I mean, not for free. You understand that the X can't be zero. Yeah, but still, I mean, paying one to. Have like paying one for a gain control of mana crypt, yeah. Gain gain control of target mana crypt or soul ring. It's pretty good. Or somebody's freaking playing their Kinnon Bonder Prodigy, and they get out that basalt monolith, and you just you steal it. You know. Well, if they get out basalt monolith and Kinnon, they're playing Kinnon. They're probably just winning the game right there. Maybe. Most likely. Maybe. Because it's only that colorless infinite mana. They got to at least have green and blue in order to activate his ability. So yeah, then they have to do another step in order to actually win. You know. Plus, if you're not running counter spells in CEDH, then I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, yeah. Colorless mana, infinite in canon is Infinite mana much in CEDH is usually just end the game. But um, yeah, I, I I'm interested to see. I haven't gotten a hold of a morag, a morag, Mor- morag. Uh, I, um, that is the card that I want the most out of this set. I just I just I want it. I want some combats for playing lands. I put it in my uh, gahiji. I think that's how you say gaji gaji deck. Token deck, Naya. I put it in there, and the other day, I drew it literally the turn like after the game was over. It would have been my next draw. But, man, I was playing uh, Harvest Season from Amonkhet Block, which, man, that's a sleeper ramp card in like aggro token decks. 
Uh, it's a sorcery speed. Search your library for X basic lands where X is the number of tapped creatures you control. So I had like 14 tapped 1-1 one, one saps. Cast that 14 basic lands out onto the battlefield tapped on your second main phase. So that would trigger Morag 14 times. Game over. But I didn't have him on the battlefield because it was my next draw. But I was just thinking in my head when I had that card. I was like, oh my gosh, where is he at? I just want to just slap down like every basic land out of my deck and just go ham. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I just... I just want to. I just want double combats. I don't care how many I get. <laughs> right. As long as I get more than one, it's good for me. Yeah, that dude is super strong. Uh, one card I seen that uh, I pulled in my pre-release. I played it, but it never stuck around more than a combat was uh, Relic Robber. It's a three mana two two hasty the goblin. goblin. <laughs> And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, that player creates a zero-one colorless goblin construct artifact creature token with this creature can't block at the beginning of your upkeep, this creature deals one damage to you. I think that that could actually be decent, especially if you're playing like Cranko or like some type of like goblin synergy deck, and you're able to just like uh, make a bunch of tokens of this and then just start hitting people with a bunch of them. Because next thing you know, it's just like, if you can't sack those tokens you're getting, it's just like every upkeep, you're just getting burned for damage. Throwing uh, uh, the Thane dude that adds damage. Torbran. and any damage. Fiery Emancipation. Like, any type of deck like that is just like, one of those things is going to be cutting your life down quick. It's like a, it's like a shittier Chandra emblem. I don't know. I like the Chandra emblem better because it you can't get rid of it. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. This guy's a shittier emblem because the emblem you can't get rid of. The Goblin Construct token you can. You can oh, yeah, sack it I, somehow. I but, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I kept hitting people with it, and every time they're like, "Damn it, I gotta get rid of this." It never did much for me, but it was cool. I haven't gotten a copy of the Green Mythic Modal Dullface Land. The turn timber symbiosis, but man, I I really want to test that card out really bad. Might I might do what I never do? I might proxy it up. I might see. Do it up, yeah. I seen uh, I seen Seagate Restoration. I think that card actually is kind of good. I at first I didn't really think much of it. Seven mana, draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. I mean, that's, like, pretty pretty easily doable in blue and in EDH. If you're playing, like, Urza with your artifacts, you're tapping all your artifacts for mana, like... Or you um, just slot this in like, a Simic deck. Yeah. Just double the cards you are... Because you're probably already going to have set... If you're playing a good, like, draw deck, you are probably got a full grip. And then you cast this. Now you got 14 cards in your hand and no max hand size. It's pretty, pretty decent. Hmm. I like. I think. I think Agadim's Awakening could be pretty good, but I haven't seen anyone running in any lists. I haven't slotted it into any of my lists. I don't know. I. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. The, we're still in the in the. 
infant stages of people getting a hell of these cards. I really want to build that Ashaya Soul of the Wild deck just to see, you know, see how how busted it can be. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we had a giveaway you want to talk about? Oh yeah, so we're going to do a sweet giveaway for everybody this time. We're going to give away a, a sealed booster box of Zendikar. As well as the three posters that Wizard sends to the LGSs, uh, so you'll get a there'll be a Nissa poster, a Jace poster, and a uh, Nahiri. Nahiri poster. And there's going to be four winners for the giveaway. One of you guys will win one of each poster. One of you will win the booster box. Uh, figured we'd spread it out that way instead of giving all of it to one person. Get four winners. It's Mix more, it up. More winners, I think, is better yeah. in most cases. Um, and then, so, uh, we decided that we're going to do the normal passphrase. So, if you're listening to the episode right now, the passphrase for the giveaway is abolish the reserve list. Spicy password. So, after you're done listening to this episode, or right now, pause it, go on to Instagram, go to Commander's Vault or mtg underscore survivalist hit the dm and just say the passphrase is abolish the reserve list and then we'll see that and we'll put you in for the giveaway and that it's that easy yeah it's, it's a pretty sweet giveaway oh yeah boxes and so. or those limited edition posters which by the way i mean i'm not a huge fan of like the nahiri or jace but that nissa one oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, the arts are amazing on those posters, and man, I wanted I wanted that Nissa poster so bad, but you know, the fans yeah, fans no, need some love, you know. But you know, you you win that Nissa poster and don't want it, <laughs> DM me at CDH Slave. Okay, so we're gonna switch gears here real quick. Uh, I wanted to touch on some of the cards in the market for the last week that have been uh, going up and down. I'm only going to talk about cards that mainly revolve around Commander, not any of the other formats. I'm going to skip over all the reserve list stuff because obviously everyone knows that stuff's going absolutely bad shit. But uh, anyway, we have, let's see, Chromium from Legends, which that doesn't see too much play in Commander. And some uh, Dragon Tribal decks, you'll see that. That's up to $40 now from 30, went up 38%. Wait, what was it? Chromium. Oh, okay. Just the the elder actual elder dragon. Yeah. Um next is uh Elder Gargaroth, which pretty sure everybody knew this car is gonna be a staple in climbing price. It went from fifteen to twenty. Uh Sands of Time is a reserve list card and it doesn't see much play in Commander, but I love running it and it's just a wacky fun card that basically says at the beginning of each player's uh, untap step, they skip it and they untap everything they have that's tapped, and they tap everything they have that was already untapped, which just adds some quirkiness to the game. Uh, that went from six fifty to nine bucks. Uh, Omnath Locust of Mana. This is actually showing the uh, Commander uh, Green price went from thirty to forty bucks. Uh, Omnath, Locust of the Royal from M20, went from 5 bucks to $7. Uh, Demir Signet is up f- 
from $3 to $5. Uh, Lotus Cobra moving up, probably for standard. It's up to $8.50 from 6 for the newest printing of it. Platinum Angel is up $2 from 8 to 10 uh, Allosaurus Shepherd is up from 97 to 118 <laughs> $1 million for this single green elf. Clearly on the back of the fact that Jumpstart has been a complete clusterfuck since the beginning, and they it, just can't get the product out. <laughs> Yo, know, I don't... It's such a weird logistical thing. Like, it's not that they plan to short print Jumpstart and, oh my gosh, we're going to we're gonna dry the market up and it's going to, you know, uh, Bruvac and Tiny Bones and Allosaur Shepherd and all these cards are just going to be, you know, there's only going to be super low amounts of these cards in this, in this set. They're just like, oh, we're trying and, I don't know, the b- b- print factory go brr, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> they're, they're trying really hard, but it just isn't working and they can't figure out what's going on with it it's because i mean even i i'm pretty sure i've spoken to neil um and he has he has no idea you know this so the 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 merchants don't even know you know people who are who rely on these products to sell to make a living are like yeah we don't have any idea what's going on yeah it's crazy it's so ridiculous i know over in the uk i've talked to some people they never got any like, they've never gotten Jumpstart. And so, like, you have that whole, you know, Europe market, which they're not super heavy into EDH yet, but still, like, none of them Plebians. being able to get any of the cards has got to be just terrible. I'm sorry. If you're from Europe, you're not actually a pleb. I just think you really need to embrace EDH as the greatest format. I, don't, I, I, saw, on, uh, I saw on Twitter... That Wizards actually did some research and found that EDH has been growing at like three times the rate of any other any other uh, thing. Now that claim is completely based on my terrible short-term memory and my inability to find the actual source where I saw that. I think it was on uh, uh, Shivam's uh, Twitter. He had, he had uh, retweeted something of the, about this research that had been done. And it was just basically... Proving that EDH is the fastest, a fastest growing, and b most popular format. Yeah, I mean, like, I, hands down. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. I mean, for years at all the events, what do people do in between rounds or when they're knocked out? You know, they go and they play casual EDH with with whoever else is out or waiting around. They and, had yeah. a whole festival about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and also, I was really sad. There's no Command Fest this year. Oh, I really yeah. like. Command Fest last year was a bomb. That was awesome. Yeah. Man, but that 100% sick AF. And, you know, honestly, the next Command Fest, I don't care if it's in Seattle. I'm going. You know what I mean? Like, I want to I wanna go real bad because that was so much fun. And, Dale, we got to go. Yeah. Command Fest is just hands down amazing if they get it back online again say this coming year 2021 and you didn't get to go to the one last year dude start saving your money and go because i'm telling you it's going to be something that you will remember probably for a long time and you will be 
craving to go back again. Yeah. I'm just like, I remember playing some just ridiculous EDH games. Like, stuff that I didn't even think was possible. Like, I was just like, holy crap. And that amongst, you know, a ton of other things. Lobby shenanigans at like 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning tacos at the 24-hour taco place. Yeah, it was it was a, a good time all around. Um, I'm gonna get back on this list and <laughs> get back on track here. All right, so uh, we left off on Allosaurus Shepherd. Uh, Sulphurus Springs is up from eight fifty to ten fifty. Uh, Underground River seven fifty to nine so bucks. The painlands. Yep. Uh, Bruvac obviously for the same reason up forty th- from forty three to fifty one. Uh, thawing glaciers, it sees a little bit of play in like lands matters decks. That's up from twenty six to thirty. Uh, Horn of greed from stronghold is up from seven fifty to nine. With the advent of the landfalls again, I, that does not surprise me at all. Yeah, uh, season pyromancer uh, from modern horizons is up from twenty eight to thirty two. Uh, Crucible of worlds uh, from fifth dawn is. From 43 to 50. Pathraiser Ibex is up uh, from 15 to 17, so small little jump there. Um, We don't need to talk about anything under two, anything uh, that isn't moving more than two bucks. Bitter Blossom from the uh, Secret Layers is up five bucks from 40 to 45. Miri's Guile is up uh, three bucks from, uh, what is it? What's that set? Tempest. There we go. Um, let's see. Anything else really in here? Uh, not really. We're pretty much down to about the $2 movement range yeah, for everything. It's not even movement, but, to be honest. Uh, Stranglehold, though. I will mention that. That's up That's up $2.50. That's the last one we'll talk about. But Stranglehold, I had a big conversation about this on Friday and Saturday both. Wizards of the Coast needs to start printing more effects that say players can't take extra turns because dude the commander i don't know if it's just the meta here but dude so many decks right now are just run rampant with taking extra turns taking extra turns and there's nothing you can do about it unless you play blue and counter their spell like or have stranglehold in your deck which that's only one slot, so the chances of getting that out are slim. Meanwhile, Ugin's Nexus and Ugin's Nexus. Yep, we did talk about that one too. But I mean, of all the cards, you have like two. Maybe there's a couple other obscure ones out there. I'm not thinking of that can stop players from taking extra turns. But yet, blue just has a plethora of extra turn spells. Probably twenty. Like I'd in, say, I'd say close to twenty. And quite a few extra that turn don't exile themselves, so they can just keep doing them again. Next is a fate. Come on, really? What were you thinking with that one? Like. There's okay, okay, but everyone <laughs> knew Nexus of Fate was a bad decision. Yeah. Like everyone who saw the post printing of <laughs> Nexus of Fate was like, "Really? Yeah. You're gonna make a seven drop extra turn spell? Ooh, it's seven mana. Yeah, but it it shuffles itself back in. You guys made part the water veil, which exiles itself. You know, like." Uh, you can't. They have. They have learned already from temporal manipulation and time warp and time stretch that you have to make those spells exile themselves, or it's just gonna be a broken like loop of garbage. Yeah. 
It sucks. And, that's, and I play Narset Extra Turns. Like, <laughs> like I abuse that that set of cards more than, like, more don't, than anybody. Don't you think that they should give some more love to anti-extra yes, turn spells? Definitely. I mean, come on. We got, like, none. And it's a... It's not like it's like some niche thing. Like extra turn spells are in a lot of decks. Like there is a lot of decks out there that just have that maybe as a sub theme, or even just as like a couple of them are in there. I mean, expropriate, tons of decks run that. Yeah, that's just a blue bomb spell. Yeah, because at minimum you're getting one turn and four permanents. Yeah, and that or three permanents. A lot of times. You know, the table doesn't use its better judgment, and the person gets four extra turns. <laughs> I mean, I'm never in those games. I, I usually give them the, the thing. Yeah, I, I always whatever. give them the permanent, unless it's, like, absolutely essential. Like, I'm going to die if they take my Platinum Angel. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. I, no, I agree. I definitely think, you know, red. Give it to red. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Just give Red some more cards like Stranglehold. Like, Stranglehold's pretty good. They can't search their library or take extra turns. It doesn't even have to be that powerful. Just no extra turns. You know? Hell, even give Red an instant spell that says player can't take an extra turn or something. You know? Yeah. Like, okay, you can cast that, but I'm going to cast this in response, and now it doesn't matter. You're not going to take an extra turn anyway. So it's not necessarily a counter spell. It's just a, you know, a reactionary thing. Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting. But... Are you off your soapbox? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm off of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, it was like... I feel I feel like you have written the Extra Turns manifesto of... <laughs> like, stuff that, stuff that needs to be done to Extra turn spells. Yeah. But... Uh, Alright, guys. Hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, definitely get yourselves entered into that giveaway. We want to give this stuff away. You know, the guy who gave us the box was like, "You guys can open it." We're like, "Nah, give it away." I mean, I want I want you guys to open as as, as much cards as you can. I want to give away free posters that look dope. Hell yeah! So definitely, what was the password again, Dale? Uh, abolish the reserve list. Okay, abolish the reserve list is the password. Okay. DM that to Commander's Vault or MTG Survivalists. Uh, yeah, and that'll get you entered. And a huge shout-out to Neil at the Comics Vault for giving us the product. Yeah, definitely. With. He's a beast. Um, we definitely could not do this show without him. But, again, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, once again, I'm JB. I'm Dale. Have a good day.